0: The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime
1: Photographer. Hiya, Casey. Hi. Look, here comes Tony. Hiya, Tony. Hiya,
0: Casey.
2: You're going to give us that famous line of yours?
0: Well, I'm here to tell you that tomorrow begins a week dedicated to one of America's most famous institutions. The Boy Scouts of America.
2: They deserve our full support. Right, Ethel Burton. Since you've done your good deed for the day, Tony,
0: suppose you proceed. All right, Casey, I will. Anchor Hawking is the most famous
1: name in class. <laughs>
0: Half past nine in the evening, in the cheaply furnished living room of a small, cheap apartment, a woman, rather pretty in a drab way, is darning socks. Her husband holds a magazine that he obviously isn't reading. In an apartment above, a radio is loudly tuned in on a dance band. Finally, the woman turns.
3: That music bother you, dear? Huh? Betty Welt is home. Yeah? Hmm. We always know when we hear that radio upstairs.
4: I, uh, not noticed.
3: No? You haven't read a word in that magazine since you turned it on. Why I'm
4: thinking.
3: Well, why don't you go to bed since you've got a tough day
4: tomorrow? Fine, sleepy. Uh, why don't you hit the hay? You've got to get up early for your job. Well,
3: oh, I wouldn't get any rest with that radio going over my
4: head. Uh, I'll, uh... I'll go upstairs and ask Miss Welch to turn it down.
3: Oh, what's the use, Howard? She wouldn't do it. And according to Lisa's here, she's entitled to play it until 10 o'clock, and it's only a little after half past eight.
4: That's so.
3: Hmm. Um, very good-looking gal, Miss Welch. Yeah. Not bad. She's caused a lot of jealousy in this building.
4: So you told me.
3: Well, all husbands aren't like you, Howard. Some of them around here have been giving that blonde upstairs quite a place. You
4: hear that stuff from Mrs. Bloomington, that old dame across the hall, does nothing but gossip.
3: Mrs. Bloomington isn't the only one.
4: Hmm? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, Ada, I'm pretty restless. I won't be able to sleep unless I get a walk and maybe a couple of beers. I think I'll uh, walk down to Eddie's tavern and back.
3: Okay, but before you go, Howard, call up the super and tell him to fix that radiator.
4: Radiator? Mm, the
3: one in the kitchen. The super won't
4: fix radiators now. It's too late.
3: He will if you ask him. You can get most anything out of town. Call him on the house phone now.
4: Okay.
3: I'll go across the hall and get Mrs. Bloomington to stay with me while you're out and the super's here. What do you
4: want to do that for?
3: I have a sense of the proprieties, Howard.
4: Proprieties? Not. Hello, uh, Super. Uh, hiya, John. This is uh, Howard Clinton, apartment four B. John, the uh, radiator in the kitchen doesn't work. Can you come up and fix it? Well, I know it's late, John, but be a pal, huh? Eh? Yeah. Ah, well, thanks, Mister Fella. Long.
5: Good evening, Mister Clinton. <laughs>
4: oh. Hi, Miss Bloomington. Did
5: you get the super, Howard?
4: Uh, Yeah, yeah, you'll be right up. I knew he'd do it for you.
5: I'll stay here with your wife, Mr. Clinton, so you need not worry.
4: (laughs) uh, Thanks, Miss Bloomington. Somebody might kidnap her if she was alone.
5: They
3: might. She's very
5: pretty. You
3: see, I have one admirer, Howard. Yeah.
4: I'll uh, get my hand
5: Don't close your door when you go out. I'm leaving mine across the hall open, of course. So, if my poor husband needs me, he can call and I'll be sure to hear him.
4: Uh, how, uh, how is your husband, Miss Bloomington?
5: Oh, just the same. He'll never be anything but an invalid tied to his bed. That music above distresses him so, but we can't demand that that Betty Welch woman turn it off before 10 o'clock, I suppose.
4: Uh, no. Uh, Ada, I'll, uh, how just have a few beers and come right home? Don't hurry. Uh,. See you
5: later, Mr. Bloomington. So long. So long, Mr. Clinton. Uh, don't close the door. Oh, uh, sure.
4: I uh, won't be long.
5: Easy, dear. I don't know how you can scan the horrible radio of that horrible woman, Betty Welch, right over your apartment. Just a
3: minute. Oh,
4: you
1: did manage to get away, huh? Yeah. A little better.
4: Hello. You're alone, I see. Oh, did
3: you expect to find me with a place full of company?
4: <laughs>
3: You're the most jealous fellow I ever met.
4: Because I'm so crazy about you. Take
3: off your overcoat.
4: Oh, yeah. Thanks.
3: Have any trouble getting away?
4: I had to go all the way downstairs and then come up the back way tonight. Oh, Mr. Bloomington's with Ada, so of course both doors are open.
3: You sure nobody saw you?
4: Sure. Hey. What? Guy's been up here with you. Guy. Look at this ashtray. You don't smoke cigars, do you? Look,
3: a fellow and his girlfriend came home with me last night, and I forgot to empty the ashtray they used. That's all.
4: Fellow with his girlfriend. Eh?
3: Yes. Yeah. Come on, I got music on for dancing. How about it?
4: Mm. Let's go.
3: Hey, I want to dance, not have the wind squeezed out of me. When I
4: get you in my arms, Betty, I don't care uh, what...
3: When... Cut it, behave yourself. Okay. Oh,
4: that's better.
3: Nice, ain't
4: it? So nice, I never want to let you go. I never want another guy to hold you close like this.
1: They're dancing big boy.
4: Yeah. Oh, uh, who was the mug who left them cigar butts here?
1: A very nice
3: fellow. I like him. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I can uh, marry him if I want him.
4: You can, huh?
3: Mm-hmm. He's a
1: good uh, dancer, too. I do. Hey, French. open your doors. Miss Phelps, this is John the super. It's after 10 o'clock, and everybody in the house is complaining about your radio. The woman doesn't even
5: answer to me, Miss Dodd. She's probably gone out. Miss Felch! You're just wasting
1: your breath, John. Use your pass key and open that door. Yes, I guess I got it, Miss Well,
3: if you don't, nobody will ever get any sleep.
5: Yeah, I'll go
1: in and turn that thing off, Mrs. Clinton, right now. I tell her. Ble-
3: My heart.
1: There's a pistol beside them. Uh, Come away. I called the police. I think the two of them are dead.
6: The homicide guys got here, Miss Williams. That radio is still blasting away.
7: And what did you find, Captain Morgan?
6: Well, the girl, Betty Welch, has been shot at close range through the forest. She died instantly. The guy, as so often happens in these murder and suicide ideas, didn't aim so good at himself. He only creased the side of his skull. He's alive then, Logan? He's hardly hurt, Casey. He just knocked himself out for a while.
7: Have you questioned him yet?
6: Oh, plenty. And he's talked plenty.
2: He admits he killed the gal and then tried to bump himself off?
6: No, oh, he denies that. But he admits he was crazy about the girl and very jealous of her. And also, the murder gun has been identified as his... And the old dermal nitrate test shows that he fired a gun sometimes, today. Eh?
2: Well, everything's over for him then, except the hot seat.
6: Uh-huh. I wish all the cases I get were as easy to crack. Yeah, well, where is the guy? I want some pictures of him. Now, he was taken down to headquarters just before you got here. But the murder guns on that table, you probably want a shot of that.
4: Oh, yeah. German Luger, huh? Yeah.
6: This Howard Clinton brought it back from the war as a souvenir. He's an XGI. G I.
7: X G. I, huh? Give me some more dope about him for my story, Captain. Uh,
2: what do you do for a living?
6: Why, he's a foreman at the big Adolphe Greenhouses, a nurseryman, a plant
2: specialist. Mm-hmm. Hey, was he on the job today, Logan? Yeah. Uh, Captain Logan, uh, tell uh, me. Excuse me a minute, Annie. Yeah. Well, since he denies the killing, Logan, how does he explain it? He doesn't. He says something hit him,
6: and he blacked out, which isn't a very good story. Your fingerprint guys went over his gun first
2: thing. Naturally. The gun was clean. It's a little unusual for a guy to attempt suicide and then clean the fingerprints off his gun. It, it would be most unusual
6: if we hadn't found an initial handkerchief belonging to Clinton on the floor near the gun. For some reason, maybe he didn't intend to commit suicide at first, he had that Luger wrapped in the handkerchief when he used it, and the handkerchief showed a positive in the nitrate test.
2: Well, Logan, he worked in a greenhouse where he handles fertilizers that show the same reaction in a dermal nitrate test that gunpowder does. You have no proof that Clinton did this killing?
6: Look, I figured that fertilizer angle, Casey. Now, listen, amateur. It's Clinton all the way because nobody could have gotten out of this apartment after the killing. No? No. This is the only apartment on the top floor here, and there's no outside fire escape. And nobody could have gone downstairs after Clinton came to Betty Welch's apartment without being seen. Why? Because Clinton's wife in the apartment below had her door wide open. She and another woman, uh, Mrs. Bloomington, sat facing the front stairs, and they're positive nobody came down. How oh, about the back stairs? Now, uh, Mrs. Bloomington's husband's an invalid. His door was wide open, and he had a full view of the back stairs from his bed. He saw Clinton sneaking up him, but he saw nobody coming down.
7: Huh? I guess that settles that, Casey.
6: Well,
2: witnesses aren't always reliable, Annie.
6: I'll give you ten to one that the Bloomingtons are reliable.
2: Hmm. You talk that kind of odd. My pockets are lined with fish Yeah. Just the same. I want to meet the Bloomingtons.
6: Yeah, you'll find them downstairs. Go ahead.
2: Get acquainted.
1: Take care of them customers down the bar, Walter. Uh, excuse me, Miss Williams. You were saying about that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bloomington? Oh, that
7: uh, the Casey's discomfort, Ethelbert. Yeah. They proved unimpeachable witnesses. Mm,
1: go right
2: ahead, Annie. Rub it mm-hmm. in.
7: Buddy. I'm going to. Mrs. Bloomington and her husband are terribly respectable, law-abiding people, and the last thing they'd do would be to lie about anything connected with a murder.
2: Hmm. I sized them up as okay.
1: This Howard Clinton's goose is cooked, then, huh?
2: Yeah. Miss Williams and I have been talking to him down at headquarters, Ethelbert. He said big, strong-looking bozo who talks straight. I just can't see him killing a woman and then trying to kill himself. He
7: didn't talk very straight to his wife.
2: Well, after meeting his wife, I don't blame him for sneaking up to see that blonde.
7: What's the matter with Mrs. Clinton? I thought she was quite good-looking. Oh, Annie,
2: wait a minute. Looks aren't what count in women after you marry them. I know something about women, and I don't trust her.
7: How do you know so much about women and marriage?
2: Uh, hmm? Well, I've Annie, look. If you haven't suspected it as yet, we press photographers see your women at your best and your worst.
1: Which is the reason you remain a bachelor?
2: Which is the reason I remain a press photographer.
1: Huh. Well, I know what Casey means, Miss Williams. It's the same with us bartenders. We meet so many phony dames that a guy gets afraid uh, <clears throat> of uh, uh, afraid of all the gals who ain't just like you, Miss Williams. Huh. I see. Uh uh. <clears throat> Came back to the subject. This Mrs. Clinton had plenty of motive to shoot that blonde and uh, try to shoot her husband, Peyton.
2: I think she had plenty of motive for the killing, but she didn't have the opportunity.
7: Mrs. Bloomington was with her when Betty Welch was killed. So was the superintendent of the apartment house. Ada Clinton couldn't have done the job. Nobody
2: could have, but Clinton himself, apparently. See, Annie, tomorrow morning, let's talk to Mrs. Bloomington again. <laughs>
0: A short while ago, the Anchor Hocking Laboratories perfected a beautiful new material, lovely as century-old jade green Chinese porcelain and as strong and heat-proof as the Fire King oven glass you use for baking. They called it jadeite. Expert designers used jadeite to achieve a new beauty in dinnerware. And today, jadeite dinnerware costs far less than the most ordinary dishes. Now, I know it sounds incredible, but it's true. You can buy a beautiful 35-piece jadeite dinner service for less than $5. Yes, less than $5 for six jadeite cups, six saucers, six dessert dishes, six salad plates, six dinner plates, one large vegetable bowl, a platter, and a sugar and creamer set. And jadeite dinnerware can also be purchased in open stock. Now you'll find beautiful jadeite dinnerware at chain stores, department stores, hardware stores, and most other stores selling chinaware and glass. Ask for jadeite by name. Jadeite. J-A-D-E-I-T-E. The newest triumph of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass.
5: Thanks,
2: Mrs. Bloomington. Three is my limit.
5: You have another, Mr. Casey?
7: Uh, uh,
2: sure, Mrs. Bloomington. Yeah, I
5: just love you. The moment I first met you, I said to myself, there's a fellow tea drinker. Uh, now, what were you saying, Mr. Casey? I... I remember. I was telling you about poor dear A Clinton asking me to come across the hall to her apartment last night. Because her husband was going out, and John Phoenix, our superintendent, was coming up to fix the kitchen radiator. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just lost her, Rita, so I dropped everything and went over with her. She's silly. but super is in her place often, and she's never asked for a chaperone before. Often. Casey. Oh, oh no, don't miss me. Ooh, what I'm saying is, with you. cousin with a girl like Ada could have no personal interest in such a come next.
2: Well, what did Felix do to their radiator last night, sir?
5: Huh? placed an air valve, he said.
2: How long did that take?
5: He was out in McQuentin's kitchen from a little after half past nine until after ten, when that Welch girl's radio should have been shut off.
2: At least half an hour.
5: Yes.
2: Could you see him working out in the kitchen?
5: No, but he was there.
2: Huh? Well, Mrs. Bloomington, this has been a delightful session, but Miss Williams and I must go.
5: Not before we have another cup of tea, Mr. Casey. Tea? You'd like it so much.
2: No more tea, Mrs. Bloomington. No more tea. afternoon, Annie, and nobody's prowling around the hall. Yeah. There. There's one lock on her door. Come on in, quick. No, okay.
7: I can't expect to find anything in the kitchen. I or don't there, expect any? to find
2: anything, Annie. You didn't even want to see the layout. I in there, wouldn't you? The lowest mechanic in the world couldn't choose up half an hour replacing an air valve. Set up a perfect kit. What do you mean? Kitchen stepladder here. Cut this window, Annie.
3: A window box?
2: Yeah. Why, strong. By placing the kitchen ladder on the window box, he could climb outside, easily pull himself through the window above, which is Betty Welch's kitchen.
7: Clinton and the Welch girl wouldn't have heard him with that radio blaring if it was.
2: Oh. He could have gone to the living room above and fired two shots with Clinton's lucre that Ada had given him wrapped in an initial handkerchief of her husband and thinking that he'd killed both Clinton and the gal... When he saw them fall, he could have dropped the gun and handkerchief beside their bodies and come back here the same way he went up, while Ada was establishing a swell alibi for him and for herself with Mrs. Bloomington.
7: Felix and Ada Clinton are in love? Is that it?
2: No. Oh, no, no, no. no. That Ada Clinton couldn't be in love with anybody. Say, wait a minute, Annie. Hmm? She's a beneficiary of a $10,000 insurance policy on her husband's life.
7: No, that came out when Captain Logan questioned her. Didn't mean anything to him or to us, then, because she seemed an impossible suspect. Now,
2: wait a minute. It's, it's, it's veteran's insurance, Annie. G.I. insurance she has.
7: Well, so what? You've got a theory, and she has G.I. insurance. It doesn't prove a thing against either her or John Felix.
2: Uh-huh. I think it shows me a way to get proof. <laughs> Thank you very much for letting me take more pictures of you, Mrs. Clinton.
7: And for this uh, second interview. You're quite welcome, Miss Williams, Mr. Casey.
3: Frankly, it isn't easy for me to talk to newspaper people or
7: to anyone at We appreciate your state of mind, Mrs. Clinton. I don't think you really can. My husband's
3: going to be executed for murder.
2: He uh, carried life insurance for you, Mrs. Clinton.
3: Veterans insurance, $10,000. Hmm.
2: Only veterans insurance? That's okay. Too bad.
3: Why do you say that?
2: Well, most people don't thoroughly read insurance policies. You know, or if they do, they forget the provision. Uh, have you been like that,
3: Mrs. Clinton? I don't understand what you mean. Well, it's my
2: understanding of the G.I. policy that if your husband is executed for a crime, you get nothing.
3: I? Did you know that? Yes.
2: You've had a bad deal all around, Mrs. Clinton. I hope your luck changes. <clears throat> well, let's go, Annie.
7: Goodbye, Mrs. Clinton. Goodbye. Huh? She's doing some hard thinking right now,
2: okay? There she is. Annie, Logan and two detectives are all set up in the next apartment with microphones. They've also bored peepholes in the wall. Let's join them and watch and listen. <laughs> did was read her husband's G.I. policy, also what looked from here like another insurance policy, and then typed a letter or something which she just folded and put on the table.
6: You know, the way she typed that letter or something puzzled me, Tissie. The gal holds down an expert stenographer's job, but she used the old hunting tech system.
2: Uh, It's funny, isn't it?
3: You couldn't say anything of what she wrote, of course.
2: No. Uh Uh-oh. She's at the house telephone. And that
6: means a call to Felix.
7: Well, at least I'll be able to hear when she talks. You two men can't hog the ear for
3: Hello, John. There she is. Can you come up right away? Oh, of course it's safe, dear. Here? Hurry, I want to see.
6: Casey, I'm afraid your aunt mm-hmm. is going to make good. Or bits as it does, pal. It's a bet, Piker. Yeah, she may be merely romancing with this John. Neither may have had anything to do with the murder.
3: There's a doorbell. I will see. You two will see. I'll only hear. Hello, John.
1: Beautifully. Close the door. Yeah, yeah. You think it's all right for me to be up here now? Some of those policemen might be watching us.
3: Why should they be watching us,
1: honey? We haven't done anything
3: I
6: see. that
1: anybody knows of.
6: That right, Logan? Oh, shut up and listen.
1: Yeah, if yeah, you're right. I'm just nervous for no reason. Well, don't
3: be nervous. Anyway, John, if we were watched, you'd come up here to fix a window for me, one that's hard to open.
1: Yeah. Give me a kiss,
7: my beautiful Ada. Adele didn't say no.
3: You really love me, John.
1: I am crazy for you.
3: Would you put that in writing? Yeah, in writing? Yes, I've been thinking. I've never had a love message from you.
1: Oh, uh-huh. because we see each other every day. Hey, what's this mush leading up to?
3: It would take so long Just to write. write a short one, John. Get out your pen and write it on the back of this old bed.
6: Yeah, that's the folded paper we saw her typecases. Yeah.
3: Uh,
5: what shall I
3: write, my darling? Just, I love you, Ada.
1: All right. <laughs> you are such a funny woman, I never understand you.
3: <laughs> hey,
1: there. A hey, wrote, I love you, Ada. Well, aren't you going to sign it? Oh, sure, sure.
3: Write your full name. John Felix. It'll look better. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, there you are. Anything else? No.
1: This will do very nicely.
2: Casey, I don't get this over my head,
1: pal. Now, for my love letter, I want another kiss. Oh, wait there.
3: There is something else I want you to do for me. I wasn't kidding about a window being hard to open. It's that one, John. Will you fix it for me?
1: Yeah, sure, all right. It don't work hard. Well,
3: lift it clear to the top.
1: Well, it slides Oh,
3: that's funny. Maybe something catches it sometimes from outside. Lean out and look.
1: All right, I...
2: Hey, She pushed him, Casey. He's falling. Out of the window? I get the idea of that love letter stuff now, Logan. So do
6: I. And now I'm getting that dame. I've got a key to her apartment, so we'll walk right in. Hello, Mrs. Quentin.
3: Captain Logan.
6: uh uh-huh. I believe a man just fell out of your window. Oh,
3: oh Captain. Captain, it was John, the superintendent. Captain, he, he didn't. He deliberately jumped.
0: Tell us about it.
3: Well, he came up here a while ago acting strangely and asked if he could use my typewriter. I said yes, of course, and he sat down typed something on this paper that he signed, folded it up, and handed it to me. Then he raised that window. Horrible.
2: Naturally, you hadn't had a chance to read the paper he had.
3: No, Mr. Casey, take it. Captain, you read it.
2: I imagine it'll be John Felix's confession of the murder of Betty Welch. Don't you love them? I think so, Casey.
6: Together with a declaration by Felix that he's about to commit suicide.
2: Why?
3: Why do you say that?
6: In appreciation of the act you just put on, Mrs. Fenton, I'm making you a present of these bracelets. You're under arrest for murder. <laughs>
0: the crowd of the Blue Note in just a moment. You know, physicians who specialize in baby care agree that diet is the most important factor in a baby's health. Today, with the many varieties of scientifically prepared, ready-to-serve baby foods, it's simple for mothers to supply nourishing, well-balanced meals without spending long hours in the kitchen. But there's another factor almost as important as food itself, and that is cleanliness. For this reason, if for no other, you should insist, yes, insist, on prepared baby foods packed in sterile, crystal-clear glass jars. Glass has no harmful effect whatsoever on food, either before or after the container has been opened. The baby food you buy in an anchor glass container, sealed with an anchor vacuum cap, is as clean as that prepared in a hospital. Convenient anchor glass containers, used by most of the better packers of prepared baby foods, and easy-to-open, easy-to-reseal anchor caps, are products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name
4: in glass.
1: So the Clinton dame made a full confession, huh,
0: what else could she do under the circumstances, Elizabeth?
1: Ada Clinton
7: persuaded Felix to kill her husband while he was visiting Betty Welch, And they could provide themselves with beautiful alibis. Hmm. Felix did the job, as Casey figured, but of course he bungled it by not shooting Clinton as thoroughly as he shot the girl.
2: The general result looked okay to Felix and his beautiful Ada, though. But it seemed certain that Clinton would get the chair. He had
1: stopped looking okay when Mrs. Clinton found out she couldn't collect that insurance, That's huh? right. That's <laughs>
2: right. Well, this sap Felix was so crazy about Mrs. Clinton that he'd taken out insurance for her. Mm,
1: at
7: her suggestion. Oh,
2: sure. So she decided that since she couldn't profit by the death of her husband, she was convicted of a crime, she'd free him and cash in on Felix. So she picked out that letter on her typewriter in imitation of Felix's way of
1: speech. The letter said he'd killed Betty Welch and was going to kill himself.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And Mrs. Clinton folded it, so he couldn't see what was typed when he signed his name to the thing.
1: Say, she's a real bad woman.
2: Boy, I haven't met him any worse. Hey, wait a minute. That doggone Logan. What's
1: the matter with Logan? Well, he didn't pay me that four bits.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ethelbert, we forgot to tell you. They're showing some of Casey's pictures at the Photography on Parade exhibit at Rockefeller Center.
1: Well, gee, maybe I'll get over to see him tomorrow night. Fine. Fine. We'll all go together. You'll be
0: in
2: distinguished company,
0: my dear fellow. Prime Photographer, starring Stodd Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass, Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. The Photographer is directed by John Deese and is based on the fictional character of Flash Gun Casey created by George Harmon Cox. Original music is by Archie Blyer and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Ann and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note Pianist. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada.